0: Welcome to TCN Talks. I'm your host, Chris Como. The goal of our podcast is 15 to 20 minutes of relevant need to know to help you in your role as a hospice and palliative care and serious illness leader, but also team members at all level of the organization. So our goal with these podcasts is concise, relevant need to know for you and your role. And always the bookend in our podcast is something to make you think deeper about life in general, but also to make you think deeper about our topic. So I'm excited. Our guest today is Laura McKinnis. Laura has a master's in science in music therapy. So Laura, welcome. I'd love, love having you here today.
1: Thanks, Chris. I'm so excited to be here.
0: What does our audience need to know about you, Laura?
1: So my background, um, as you, as you mentioned, is in music therapy and counseling. I've been doing that for about 23 years. Um, I have a passion for both clinical and leadership roles. Um, I was able to work with one of our wonderful TCN hospices for nine years. My last role there was I was the director for all the non-nursing folks, so the social workers, chaplains, music therapists, and then the grief services department. Currently, I have a private psychotherapy practice where I focus on depth therapy, mainly through EMDR, and then a powerful Uh, imagery technique called the guided imagery of music, the Bonnie method. We call it G-I-M for short. And then I also am excited to be working with TCN where I get to provide professional development and professional education to our TCN members.
0: Perfect, Laura. Well, I'm excited because actually you're the bookend of kind of four podcasts that we've had which was in many respects the original inspiration for starting TCN Talks. I wrote a couple of blogs last year, but was really just feeling the weight and um, just the pain of what was going on with our hospice and palliative care team members and coming out of COVID and seeing people that dedicated their career to this work going, I'm not sure I could do this anymore. And even some wanting to walk away from the profession. So we've had Mm -hmm. kind of a series. Our very first TCN Talks was John Locke and his title was From Burnout to Breakthrough. We had Dr. Elizabeth Burpee, and she talked about hope and resiliency and gratitude. And then we had Dr. Rohini Kanagante, who you know, and she talked about compassion and self-compassion. And so, Laura, I think you're going to kind of round out this series pretty well. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to hand you the helm, and I think you're going to talk about some pretty cool stuff, um, maybe start off related to trauma. And so you want to take it from there?
1: Sure. Thank you. Um, Yeah, we've definitely learned so much about trauma this past year, and Let's, let's define trauma in this talk as the experience we have when we're put past our tipping point, so what we can handle or digest. Um, I think about the analogy of if we eat too much and we feel that digestive pain. Imagine if we never moved beyond that. Um, we never digested it. We just held it. What the impact of that would be, um, pun intended there parallel we can think about and um, what many of us are holding on to in terms of um, trauma or struggle we're holding it really closely we're not digesting it and then that has an ongoing impact on both us and our organizations yeah. so many or go ahead
0: yeah it's interesting just listening to you i'm actually connecting with some personal experiences lately i've got a family member um Who's interesting, who's got an interesting gallbladder issue, and I know enough of this person's story. And I just started Googling and, and even started looking in some Eastern medicine, and um, there's some hurt and some pain. And I think your analogy of undigested food is right on point. And I started talking to this person and said, Hey, this is kind of interesting, this gallbladder issue. Because the person like, I don't understand why I'm having gallbladder issues. I said, do you know that this kind of organ is actually related to kind of unprocessed hurt, pain, and anger? And I could see the light bulb going off. So continue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I love what you're saying. And I could talk to you a lot about that um, at a different time. So yeah, many, many folks refer to these parts of us that we push down or ignore as our shadow parts. And, you know, As in your example, think about somebody you know that might be struggling um, at work or outside of work right now. Maybe they're consistently run down, um, negative, detached, angry, whatever it might be. But we know from the field of psychology, what we've learned is that, you know, we usually go to our minds and our minds are amazing, innovative. You know, we can recreate behavioral patterns, thoughts, feelings. However, now we know um, that if we have passed our tipping point with certain things that we're dealing with, that it's really hard to digest that with with our brains alone. And there's two important factors here that a lot of folks talk about. So the first one is that if we don't have adequate words to describe what we're feeling, then that makes sense that it would be really hard to to digest it with words. Think about someone you know who's gone through intense grief. And I bet they have really dreaded that question, how are you? Because they probably just don't don't have the words. Um, the second factor there is that we, we also know that in order to process these deeper and more intense feelings, we actually have to activate the part of our brain um, where those deeper and more intense feelings live. Um, and that's not the part of our brain that we use to analyze and cognitively problem solve. Um, you'll hear sometimes people in these situations that might be, you know, shitting themselves. So you'll hear people maybe say like, oh, I should be going for a walk, but I just can't get my body out of bed. Or um, I should be, you know, giving this person grace, but every time they talk, my blood boils or, um, you know, I should be eating lunch, but every time I start to plan it, I get so anxious about, you know, all the things I have to do. So these are all examples of us trying to use our mind to work through underlying issues that might be connected to, to deeper issues, and if these underlying issues have put us past our tipping point, then again, it's super hard to to talk ourselves through it. So what if we use the pain in these examples to lead us to what we really needed to process? You know, what if in, instead of thinking about lunch, we really focused on our anxiety and got rid of that? What what would what would the impact there be?
0: That's so it's almost like that's the thread that you need to keep kind of pulling upon.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely. there's There's just this tremendous power um in learning how to acknowledge and allow ourselves to feel what we're actually feeling, not what we wish we're feeling or what we should be feeling. We're just, you know kind of indoctrinated our culture and society. We're very scared to go there. Um, But if we do go there, especially in a safe way, then um, the pain that we're feeling, we can move through it. We can be efficient. It's so much faster than if we are um, holding on to it. So it's about focusing on, um, you know, what what we're actually feeling, not what we should be doing.
0: Yeah, I, boy, I really resonate with what you just said. It is like so much of our society, right, is like, don't open that door, because if you open that door... Um, And that probably comes from our upbringing, societal things. And just Mm -hmm. one of the things I learned from you working with you, Laura, is that we just don't do grief well. We don't even have kind of traditions and compared to some other cultures like, you know, the the Hebrew culture and how they grieve. And at some point, you know, we did have some things like wearing black, etc. But now the American culture is, yeah, just stuff that down, just ignore it. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it manifests itself in some pretty horrible ways.
1: Yeah, and listening to you, I can think of a story that I can share about myself that kind of speaks to this. So um, several years ago, I had two significant losses. I lost my mom and then I lost a baby um, in my early 40s and um, in my second trimester. And at the time, I was doing a lot of traumatic grief work with other people. So the grief that I was going through, I was also experiencing it at work. And so at one point when I went to go... um, get some support for myself i did a gim session and for those of you who don't know what gim is what it looked like is i'm laying down with my eyes closed there's music involved my therapist and i talk throughout the whole thing but basically what the process does is it ignites the right side of my brain so that when i'm in the experience um, i can see smell taste feel as if it was actually happening and So this focus was on some anger that I was having a hard time processing through um, this grief. And when the session started, I felt like my whole body got plugged into, um, it was like it got plugged into a socket. Immediately, I just felt this like kind of everywhere. Um, I remember I turned bright red, I was sweating like profusely, just feeling um, hot and my therapist was holding a pillow, I was punching, I was like, saying things that I don't normally say, I was just really letting it out in that moment. I stayed with that for about 15 minutes, which, you know, think about that. Usually when we have those feelings, we don't hang out with them for 15 minutes. And so in this experience, I let myself feel I let myself make the sounds. Then after that, um, sometimes we say, you know, anger is a blanket. And so often anger is covering up something underneath that is super tender and something that's really hard to get to. So for me, that was just this sadness. So after I processed that anger for the next um, about 10 minutes, I felt that sadness. I remember having my hand on my heart. I remember hearing these sounds come out of my, my mouth that I'd never made before, as if my sadness were to have a voice for the first time. And, you know, most of the time in imagery, people either feel things in their body or they have these images. And so at that point I had an image. So it's not like I'm thinking of this. It's just all of a sudden it's happening. And I saw someone walking towards me. And then when they got closer, I realized it was my mom. And when she got closer, I realized she was holding um, a little guy. And she came up to me and she just said, you know, Laura in her very awesome mom voice. Um, thank you. I've, I've got him. I, I needed him. And just, it was so much love. Now in that moment, you know, I felt a sense of peace and I had never connected them cognitively, but I felt a sense of peace that I'd never felt before. So, and you know, one of the reasons I like to share this story is that after that, I wasn't carrying that anymore. Like you mm-hmm. were saying, Chris, like it, it was totally digested.
0: Lord, that first off, thank you. Thank you for the vulnerability of sharing that story It is powerful. And it's interesting, I was just thinking about my own journey listening to you. And it's, it's this whole kind of, I'm more schooled in the left brain, I'm an accountant by trade, I was a CFO in my first job in hospice, I came from the business world. And so I'm kind of Mm -hmm. thinking about our industry, like when I came into this industry, What just struck me is this beauty of this holistic model that we really do care for people, body, mind, spirit, social, emotional component. But as we've had more of these challenges in our industry, you see where the industry is being drugged more to left brain. Financial numbers, are we hitting our numbers? More business people in the industry. In fact, one of my funny stories is my very first hospice conference, I think I was one of three males in the entire industry (laughs) back in 1995. And now there's a much more balance between males and females. And I think males are much more apt to, well, what is this touchy-feely stuff? Just kind of, you know, (laughs) suck it up. Or I think when you and I were talking earlier, you had a quote about, you know, we were taught, don't fight in front of the children. In other words, don't Mm -hmm. show any emotion, right? Right. But yet, what the pandemic has exposed is this is this right brain, left brain um, Mm -hmm. state of potential existence and so, mm-hmm. so much of our, our false comforters, our false whatever, have been exposed during COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's probably what's occurring. And what I love mm-hmm. what you're poking on is, this is not just because of COVID. Um, mm-hmm. It's always been there, the potential that could you do this type of work? And could you show up in, in such a, a, a better way, a more amazing way? What The term yeah. we've been using in TCN is the art of showing up. And mm-hmm. what prevents us from showing up well is the things that you're actually poking on. So mm-hmm. here's, I want to kind of set you up for kind of conclusion. And so so how do we digest the really hard stuff? Um, how do we do that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, when we think about, um, so I'll kind of give an overview and then I'll give a few, few specifics. Okay. So when we think about sometimes that phrase trauma-informed organization comes to my mind. Um, so again, keeping the bar high, how we show up, like you're talking about, but also when folks are struggling, um, having their leaders, colleagues, organizations support them going toward the thing that is painful, as opposed to just thinking about the behaviors. In GIM, sometimes we say, shine your light on your darkness, and then it's a lot easier to, to address, um, it also, uh, of course, um, helps with destigmatize the role of mental health because I love what you shared, Chris, about you know men and women in different roles. And from my position, like I've worked with just as many you know men and women, people in all roles. And when they're in that one to one environment, everyone's talking about the same thing. Everyone wants to feel accepted. Everyone wants to move through their pain. But we want to help take what what's going on in those private one to one spaces and we want to catapult it over into our group think of our organizations. So, and I can kind of transition here to like, what's a natural question, the question of like how, what are some specific things that we can do? So number one, we can imagine if pain was the doorway. You know, whatever's happening to us, imagine that we don't go away from it, that we um, go toward it. So number two, we can educate ourselves. We can learn about trauma-informed care. We can learn about trauma. We need to remember that trauma is not just being in combat or suffering a type of major abuse. We call that sometimes big T trauma. Mm -hmm. Little t trauma means all the combination of things we've been through that can put us over that that tipping point. So listen to our emotions. If If we're annoyed a lot in meetings, don't think about the people that annoy us. Think about our own sense of being annoyed. You know, we can use our emotion to help direct us exactly where we need to be. Number three, we can gift ourselves the container of um, doing our work. For some people, that's hiking, peer groups, therapy, spiritual practice, church, lots of options. But if you don't have a container in your calendar, probably not going to happen. So, gifting yourself that. Um, number four, we can engage our right brain. So basically activities that aren't based on you telling yourself what to do, but instead seeing how you're doing. So a couple of examples here, if you're a musician, instead of learning a piece of music, imagine you could create a piece of music that were to express how you're feeling, or an art piece where you could draw how you're feeling instead of trying to draw a landscape. Going for a walk and talking to yourself might sound kind of weird, super effective, super awesome. Um, if imagine going out into a place where you could feel safe and no one, people maybe aren't walking all around you and imagine that you were able to talk to the different parts of yourself. So imagine if a part of yourself felt annoyed, if a part of yourself felt powerless, mm-hmm. and then on that walk, imagine that you could talk to that part and imagine what that part would say back when people do that, give that, give our parts a voice and a floor it's amazing the amount of really clear information those parts can give us. Um, We know that mindfulness and meditative practices might not help us work through the deep parts, but they sure give us the support that we need in order to stay the course and go through those darker parts. When you look at um, therapy options, you know, ask people what they do and ask about their models. We know that things like uh, models like Internal family systems, um, techniques like EMDR, somatic experiencing, sensory motor, GIM—all of these things are really geared towards getting down to those deeper places. So ask your therapist what they do and how they're going to do what you want. What, what you want support with. And then the last thing is, share your experience. You know, we have so many fake examples of happiness all over social media. We don't have enough examples of how we are all genuinely moving through and surfing the waves that we all go through every day so to your comfort level sharing that not only helps you but it really supports your community
0: yeah i remember one of the most powerful presentations we had laura back in our days working together at four seasons is this guy the key the key words were it's normal and it's necessary it's normal and it's necessary and yeah no, you really nailed the social media kind of facade right so what you're poking on is the exact opposite well laura mm-hmm. it's it's so great to have your wisdom on the tcn team and have it available to the tcn network if someone's listening and saying you know i'd like to do some of this gim work personally um how could they get in touch with you and learn more
1: sure um well they're welcome to email me at my teleos email which is l m c k i n n i s at teleos uh, ORG or teleoscn and I'd be happy to connect with anyone, share information, connect you with other people, or do the work uh, with you myself.
0: Perfect. And of course, you can email any of us at the Teleos network and we get you in touch with Laura as well. Um, so as we always do, we always have a book in, which is a quote to make you think. but I'm actually going to break with tradition because Laura picked the perfect quote. And so we're going to have those of you who are actually watching. I know it's a podcast. You can always listen, but some of you do watch it. You can see it up on the screen, uh, which is a, a, kind of the summary of it. But Laura, I want you to read that full quote, and I think that's would be the best way to end.
1: Sure. So this is a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous. Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others.
0: Thank you, Laura. Thanks for listening to TCN Talks.